So God bless you for being in the house of the Lord. I want to speak on a subject that um, I think will be interesting. I want my my title tonight is the death of the smile. The death of the smile. And um, this 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 first came into my mind. Um, a few weeks ago, and I was, I was getting on a plane, and I was wearing a mask. As you all know, we're wearing these masks now. And um, I was uh, standing there at the counter with, with the mask on, and uh, the lady, the airline uh, um, lady there at the uh, counter, she was uh, processing the ticket. She had a mask on also, and, and uh, she had, had done some work and had gotten us upgraded and all our family. We were, we were going out west. And uh, I was wanting to... Uh, I was smiling um, because I was appreciative of the work that she was doing, but at some point I realized that I could not communicate because I had a mask on. I couldn't communicate that I was actually smiling. So I'm like trying to smile with my eyes, but I don't really know how to do that. And uh, so I had this mask on. I was like, oh, I appreciate you doing that, you know. And and, and then I think, you know, uh, the mask was restricting her from being able to uh, be friendly. And, uh, start, and so then after that, I started seeing how all of the smiles had disappeared because of masks. Now, this is no political deal against masks. Masks are helping us, and hopefully it's slowing the virus. We think we get different information, you know, every few weeks. But if, if you can wear a mask, wear a mask. This is not, that's just an example of what we're going to get into. But I noticed walking around that it was like we have lost our ability to be able to express our, our joy or our um, positive feelings about, you know, interacting with someone on just a very, you know, basic level, whether it be in, in going through a drive through or whether it's, you know, talking to someone through two pieces of plexiglass. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. My hearing is not all that great to begin with. Many, many years of preaching with monitors, and uh, I don't know. I, I accuse my wife and my daughter of mumbling. They say they don't mumble. They talk normal. It's my, I'm the problem. The boys, I can hear them fine. They're 16-year-olds. Everything's at the top of their lungs. So we hear them fine, but it's probably my hearing is not the best to begin with. And then we all put masks on, and then we have plexiglass. And I find myself with this mask on. I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I find myself going, and I'm putting my ear down like this to where the little hole is, hoping that I can catch some kind of a sound coming out. And um, I've noticed that because this is the new normal, that it seems like we're not, there's not as much civility in just interacting with people. Has anybody else noticed that? And so I, uh, I got to thinking about this, and I, I, I told my uh, boys, I said, I'm going to preach a message one day. I thought it would be like years from now, and I'm going to call it the death of the smile. And uh, they're like, well, what's that about? 
And I said, well, just the mask is restricting all of us from being able to smile. And of course, you know, that's just the, the physical example of this. But it's, I think, indicative of something else that's going on in all of us, in our world, and in our humanity. And that is that it seems like people, even before COVID, are just much more heavy laden than they used to be. There's not very much joy anymore. Have you noticed that? It's just, in fact, if you are friendly, like I'm just like friendly by nature and talk with people, you know, in the, in the toll booth or wherever, I just talk to people and say, hey, you know, and if you're really friendly, people look at you now very suspicious, like, what are you doing? They're so used to everyone being rude and being mean that when you're not, they look at you like, are you setting me up for something? And it's like, no, I'm just saying hello, you know? And so it seems like there's a, a slow death in our culture about really having any kind of joy. Now, um, in, in the process of, I, I told you about this on Sunday, of, of writing this book. I'm actually trying to write a book on joy that's going to be called The Joy Bucket. I don't have it published yet, so don't steal my title, anyone. Joy Bucket. If you're watching by, by camera, don't steal my title. I got to get it published. But um, so I started studying joy. I came across these verses. I've never seen these verses before. And it's what is the foundation for this Bible study night. Deuteronomy 28. And uh, we want to start in verse 47. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. Now these, I've read the Bible through, you know, numerous times from, from Genesis to Revelation. And you know how it is when you read the Bible, you, you read it, and then you read it again, and you see something you never saw before. You can read the same passage. My father, who has studied the Bible for some 70 years, says, you know, you still find things that you never saw before. Isn't that awesome how the Word of God is just like this artesian well that just keeps springing forth? It's amazing. It's such a, such a great privilege to study the Word of God. Thank you for being here on a Wednesday night where we're focused on studying the Word of God. This is really the strength and core of any church, or those that are there to study the Word of God. And we're glad that you're here. But I've never seen these verses. And I want to read these, these to you. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Now he says, because this is where you have failed. And of course, we understand this is written to the children of Israel. But he said, these things that are going to come upon you, I'm going to read about those in just a minute. But here's why. They're going to happen because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. So he's saying, because I've given you abundance and you have not uh, served me with joy and with gladness of heart, 
I'm going to have you serve your enemies and then they will basically treat you in such a way to warrant your lack of appreciation. This is a heavy, heavy verdict on the children of Israel. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. You can't serve me when I've given you a lot, so you'll serve those that take everything from you. And he shall put a yoke of iron. Now look at verse 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance. Now that phrase again just sort of struck me deep in my heart. A nation of fierce countenance. I'm, I'm afraid that we have become a nation of fierce countenance. Countenance being our demeanor. It's fierce. It's, it's very edgy. It's very opinionated. It's harsh. It's a fierce countenance. And folks, we have been blessed so much. We have so much to be thankful for. Should we really go through life miserable with a fierce countenance and the, the, the lack of any joy and gladness of heart when God has been so good to us? I, I decided uh, when I came back from Uganda a number of years ago, and uh, I, I think maybe some of you, it's been around for a little bit, you remember, uh, preached a message called, But If Not. And I talked about how that, and being in Uganda and seeing, oh my, I don't even sure how to describe it, but just the fierce amount of famine and, and death and heartache. An old, old man in Uganda is 40 years old. And little uh, girls... Uh, nine and ten years old becoming the mothers and carrying the infants on their back and and uh, no cars uh, maybe a bicycle and they had little uh, UN little United Nations blue buckets that were kind of half cut off and I watched them all uh, go around every day dipping water out of mud puddles just looking for clean water uh, we preached in a park one day where there was about 800 kids and we were up on this kind of rickety platform and and um, I stood up there and the missionary said, if you come back next year, uh, most of these children will be dead. Uh, eyes eaten out with parasites, worm tracks in their heads. And it just goes on and on and on. It was so severe. I had never seen anything like it in all of my life. And I realized, Lord, on my worst day in America... It's better than the majority of the world's best day. And when you live in this culture, you just, you don't see it because we get accustomed. And I, I mean, you know, I, I've gone to a lot of third world countries, so I see it. But I easily get acclimated back into this culture of abundance when I'm here. And when we have abundance and we have it for so long, like we have been blessed in this country. And then as Christians, we're double blessed. We not only have the advantage of being in the land of plenty, but we also have the advantage of having 
the Word of God to live our lives by and to, and to direct us. Do we have any excuse for having a fierce countenance? For having a lack of smile. As Christians, we ought not to be walking around with our bottom lip dragging the ground. There ought to be a joy. There ought to be a happiness. And you say, oh, but you don't know what I've gone through. But I'm going to try to show you tonight through the Word of God that joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is not based on how much you have. Joy is based on a decision that you get up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. All I've got to do is have knowledge that God has made this day. And that's enough for me to say, I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to smile. I'm not going to let this culture that we're in, and I say now culture, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about this, this land of, of, of plenty that we live in. I'm not going to allow that to be a mask and keep me from letting the love of God shine forth. Because when you really, when you don't have really any true problems, then things that are not problems present themselves as being really big problems. Like you think about it, we really don't have severe problems, but you know, it doesn't mean we don't suffer. We're human beings and we have loss and heartache like everybody. But on a day-to-day basis, what's a really bad thing for us to happen to us? For the car to break down? We have a car. For us to lose our job? That meant we had a job at one time. I mean, we, we could go down the line, and I, I think you get the point without all of this uh, elaboration, but we can't allow little things to creep into our spirit. Well, I don't like the way he talked to me, and I don't like the way that person did that, and, and my neighbor did that, and I don't like the way he spoke to me, and this one over here. Is, and, and we find all kinds of ways to get crossed up with everybody. I can't believe she's going to vote the way she is. I can't believe he's doing that. I can't believe he took my seat. I can't believe he took my spot in the parking lot. I can't believe... I mean, we can make all kinds of peripheral issues become such big, magnified problems in our life that we forget that the joy of the Lord is our straight. So I say it's time for us to take off the spiritual mask and get our smile back. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to be glad if I got to be glad all by myself. (laughs) So, so the Lord says it's this nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old nor show favor to the young. I mean, these are, just some, these are just some evil people that are going to become your masters. And boy, oh boy, did evermore the children of Israel face that with Syria and multiple armies that came in and captured. There was, there was this prophecy that was going forth, but all of it started because they would not serve the Lord with, with joyfulness and with gladness of heart. Now, we know the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So there's still something important to God about us serving Him with joyfulness and gladness of heart. There's something that's important for us to recognize that. So I looked at this and I thought, Lord, what can I do to make sure that I serve you with joyfulness and with gladness of heart? And not that I I become some incognito happy person like 
I know I look really miserable on the outside, but on the inside, I'm really, really happy. No. I want the joy of the Lord to shine forth, to shine out. And you say, well, how can we do that when we face things and we got trials and all that? That's where I think you have to make a decision every day, just like I do. You got to get up, and I believe that it's the promises of, of the Word of God. That's why. Did you notice how much happier you were last week when you weren't watching media and instead you were in the Word of God? Did, it, did you notice how much more joy there was? I mean, I had like real conversations with my teenage sons. We like talked in everything because they weren't on them stupid iPhones 24-7. They shut them down for seven days. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm like, how about talking to your family members? There's a good idea. Now, all of y'all looking so holy now, like y'all don't have... Come on, let's get real. Don't tell me if you don't have teenagers, you haven't faced the same thing. And we get lost in, these, in, in this world of having all of these other voices in our life. And we forget how much joy there is in just getting into the Word of God and hearing a positive word, hallelujah, every day and having somebody preach the gospel of Jesus Christ at night. And some of you say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I didn't experience that. That's because a lot of you didn't fast media last week. <laughs> Should we take a poll? It'll probably be about as accurate as the presidential polls. <laughs> I want to wake you up one way or the other if I have to shock you into it. So when you, and, and this is what I'm calling the mask because I feel like the, the enemy wants to, he, when you, get the, when you get the Holy Ghost, when you decide to follow God, you start to live according to biblical principles. There's a joy, there's a well of joy that goes down. And so the enemy just tries to clog it up. He can't stop the well, but what he tries to do is just throw a whole bunch of dirt on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, this one said that, and, and the other one, and I'm not sure about that, and what's going to happen in the world, and the da 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 And it's just dirt, 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 dirt. And it's just like Isaac, he had to finally make a decision. Am I going to dig new wells, or am I going to just pull out all the dirt that the Philistines used to try to clog up Abraham's well my father. And he said, I'm going to just unclog all those wells. Sometimes you got to just unclog all that well, and you got to have a spiritual cleansing. And so whenever you get rid of all that stuff out of your mind and out of your heart for a few days, guess what happens? You get your joy back. You get your smile back. After a while, you're like, hey, you know what? God is good. God's got this. God's in charge of all things. I'm going to just rejoice and be glad because God is my strength and my song. You got to get a song sometimes. So let's read some verses. And I, I think this is what the Word of God does. I think the Word of God not just uh, gives us the smile that we're looking for, but it helps us to take the mask off that's killing our smile. And we can start to interact with our fellow man in a way that demonstrates the love of God. Uh, Numbers 624. Let's read some verses. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Now, when I read this, 
This is, of course, you know, they've got a song, you know, that talks about this. This is a, this is a powerful blessing. And I thought about this phrase, the Lord make his face shine upon thee. And I thought, this is what we're wanting the Lord to do. We want the Lord to bless us. And we're wanting his face to shine upon us. Yes, sir. And I thought, oh, what a great blessing that is. That the God of glory, the king of the universe, would smile upon us. That his face would shine upon us. But then... I felt like I had to flip that around and say, okay, God, what can we do to make our face shine upon you? Oh, hallelujah. What can we do to be gracious unto thee? Yes, Lord, we want your, your face to shine upon us. Yes, we want you to be gracious unto us. Lord, lift up your countenance and, and, and give us peace. But now I want to flip all of that around. Lord, we want to cause our face to shine upon thee. We want to be gracious unto thee. We want to lift up our countenance. You know what I'm saying? That our countenance can be downtrodden. It can be discouragement. But what can we do to lift it up and say, Oh, God, thank you for another day to worship you. Thank you for another day to live for you, Lord. Sure, you may have pain in your body, but, Lord, I'm still alive and I've got breath and I'm going to give you praise anyhow. Sure, I may be having trouble at home, but guess what? God is still the Lord. Hallelujah. And as long as there's life, there's hope. And God's going to bring about a tremendous renewal and a revival in, in our broken relationships. God is restoring and renewing all things. And so when we ask him, Lord, I want my face to shine upon you. We got to take off those masks that's killing our joy and say, God, I'm going to worship you anyhow. I'm not going to let my joy be dependent on my circumstances. I'm going to bless the Lord over my soul oh hallelujah so I believe that we have to learn how to make our face shine spiritually we got to learn how do we lift our countenance spiritually well here's what I think happens and we're going to get into this in the word of God everything that happens automatically or involuntarily. It happens because of an overflow of what we already have in our own emotions, in our own mind, in our own spirit. So when you and I respond to a person, it's usually the tip of the iceberg of a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on. That's why you ever notice you go, you're just. Um, um, going through life dealing with you know getting in line for chick-fil-a or whatever and you, you you're at a four-way stop and you're going to turn you think that was going to turn and you think okay now i go now no you go now okay then you go and then somebody gets really mad at you have you ever noticed that people get really upset and you're not sure why brother brother dylan was telling us the other day he was flying he was in the airport and he was sitting down at, at the, uh, the the restaurant to eat his food and there was a man sitting about uh, 10 feet away from him. And he said, put on your mask. And he said, I'm getting ready to eat. He said, put on your mask. He said, I can't eat and wear a mask. I want to eat. I got to eat. Then I got to just do it. He said, I had just taken it off. And he said, it wasn't like he was close to me. It was like he was 10 feet away. And he had his AirPod in and he was talking to his friend on the phone. So he said, no, you're on the phone. You're on the phone. You're not. He goes, I can eat and be on the phone at the same time. So I'm not going to put my mask on. And the guy got so upset, he started 
cussing at him and carrying on and storming off and, and uh, all kind of a big commotion there in the middle of the airport. And uh, Brother, uh, Brother uh, Morgan said, I could tell right then that I was not going to win him to the Lord. <laughs> the man of great insight, Brother Morgan is. <laughs> And you think, what, what caused that, that person to be uh, so upset with Brother Morgan? How can you not like Brother Morgan? And, um, what, well, he probably didn't know. I, that guy probably had all kind of other things going on, right? And so the way he reacted to, to a person he had never even met before was just the overflow of the fullness of strife, grief, and all kinds of other things. And so you're just, you're just going through life and all of a sudden... Because it's the overflow. So if we're going to just have this natural spiritual countenance that glorifies God, we have got to be full of joy because it comes from the overflow of what we have going on. If we live our life in a vacuum, if we live our life in a vortex where there's always this swirling around of crisis and chaos, God never intended for us to live like that. He, he gave you the Holy Ghost so you'd live in peace. There's stuff, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I need to lay at the altar and get rid of it and turn it over to God and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but here's what I do know. You're God, so I'm going to just praise you as long as I've got breath. Sometimes, folks, we got to just get our smile back. We got to get our joy back. We've got to get that countenance back that exalts. So the only way we can do that is for there to be this fullness of joy. So that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit is how do we get back this, this fullness of joy? Let's look at Psalm 16 and verse 9. David, of course, was a person who had such a great uh, revelation of developing this close relationship with God because of um, the joy that he had. One of the things that we're seeing that happens is, is that relationships, uh, they become very um, fractured uh, when, when there's masks that are worn. Now I'm talking about not physical masks, I'm talking about emotional masks. And, and, and so whenever you can't have an open, uh, honest dialogue with a, another human, the relationship suffers. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. Your relationship with God is hindered if you can't just have an open dialogue. David was not a perfect individual, right? We know that. He made mistakes. He, he made drastic mistakes. But David was quick to repent because David learned at an early age that you've got to be honest with God. Why not? He knows anyhow. You know, it's kind of crazy to like... Pretend that God can't really tell what's going on in your life. I heard somebody talking one time about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were talking about it from a humorous basis. And they said, immediately when you sin, it makes you a dummy. Because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they thought, we'll hide from God. They're the only two humans on earth. And they say, we'll put on these skins and God won't be able to find us. And the Lord, just to have fun, plays along and says, where are you? The Bible says he did that. 
You know how we play like hide and seek with our kids, you know? And we can tell they're in the cabinet. They got a leg sticking out and all of that, you know? And you go in there, where are you? That's what the Lord, he goes, where are you? You think he couldn't see Adam and Eve? It's crazy for us to hide and say, well, I'll do this and the Lord won't know. God sees it. He's the all-seeing eye. So the Lord knows. So why try to mask anything? Why not just say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming to you with all of my scars and my mistakes uh, and, and all my warts and all of the good, bad, and ugly. But God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you're willing to give me access to the throne room of grace, even though I don't deserve it. So we, we, to take the mask off, this is how, and this is what we want to talk about, how we get this fullness of joy. All right, I got to get into my sermon here. Therefore, my heart is glad. This is David. We're in uh, Psalm 16. And I'm in, uh, what verse am I in? Nine? Psalm 16, nine. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Now, when I saw that, I said, Lord, I don't want to just have fullness of joy in your presence. I want to be able to live in the fullness of your joy. And it says he will show me the path. So, God, there's a path. You can show us the path so that we can live with an overflow of the joy of the Lord because we are full with the joy of the Lord. David says that. In thy presence, fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures for evermore. So the word fullness means completeness, the state of being filled to capacity. So we understand that from scripture, as we said earlier, that joy is something that is from within. It's not held captive by outside impulses. We also know that joy is designed to be something that's flowing. It's, a, it, it, it's the reservoir or the aquifer uh, that has an unlimited supply. So when you go to, to be full of joy, it's not like God can only give out a certain amount of joy to a certain amount of individuals. It flows abundantly. So the amount that is necessary for fullness or capacity, watch this, this is very important, is not determined by the well, it's determined by the vessel. The fullness, the completeness, the capacity of the joy is not determined by the source, it's determined by the vessel. This, you know, came from water that may have come from an endless well somewhere. But it was the cup that determined the capacity level of it. So the more you want of God, the more you will get. The greater capacity you have, the greater your joy is. Now here's what I believe. I believe that our joy is very minimum because we've lost capacity because we fill it up with a whole bunch of other junk. Attitudes, spirits, a whole bunch of other stuff. As you clean that out, all of a sudden you find you've got greater capacity for the joy of the Lord. Now, the more capacity you, the more room that you make, guess what? The more joy you're going to get. There's a lot of us, the Lord said, I want to give you joy, but there's no room in there. It's full up of a whole bunch of other stuff. So I got to clear all that stuff out. And to be able to say, Lord, I want your joy. We, we read about a little issue that arises with the disciples of John who were, who were used to big crowds and the record numbers of converts. And then Jesus comes along and John's ministry is greatly diminished. And not John, but his followers are getting a little bummed out. And in, in this text that we're going to read, Jesus had come to 
uh, Judea, and John was nearby, and he was baptizing people because there was a lot of water in that area, which lets me know that John was still being used to win many people for the Lord, even though Jesus was now on the scene. But for the disciples of John, it had really been kind of a letdown, so they came to John, and they began to ask some questions, and I want to read to you what John said to them. This comes from John chapter 3 and verse 25 through 32. Uh, John chapter 3, uh, 25 through 32. Now, now listen to this. There, this was a great chance for John to be offended. But watch how he chooses not to be. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan turned to Jesus. To whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. They were kind of saying, you know, what about this that you bore witness of? This, this that you say is the Messiah. Now, now men are going to him to get baptized. Jesus answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourself bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He said, I don't have to be the bridegroom to be happy. I can just be a friend of the bridegroom. And I can be fulfilled. I had friends when we were coming over here, and I was, I think I may have been sharing this with Brother, brother uh, Dylan a few weeks ago, but when we were looking at this land over here, and um, we were going to, we were looking at buying this land, this is back in nine, 1998, and I brought a couple of my friends over here that were evangelists, and I said, man, well, this is what we're going to have this land, we're going to build this church, and you know, we had all this vision and stuff. And I remember one of my friends said to me, what are you going to say whenever you build this church over here and people are going to say, well, the only reason that you have a good church is because of your dad's ministry, not because of you. I said, you know what? If people say that to me, you know what I'm going to tell them? I'm going to say that's exactly right and I enjoy every day of it. <laughs> he said, that's a good answer. <laughs> That's right. We're here because we stand on the shoulders of our forefathers. And guess what? That's fine with me because every day I get to be with God's people in God's house and live a life of abundance. You can choose whether or not to be blessed or offended. I choose to be blessed. I choose to live a life of joy. I choose to say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. I am fulfilled by just being able to be a part of what God is doing. So John, I mean, he just totally took the wind out of their sails. He said, I just, I'm just a friend and, 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 and I hear his voice. My joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Then he says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Now guess what? He takes the opportunity to go ahead and heap some more praise on Jesus. If you want to guard your spirit, if you want to guard your spirit, just compliment those that somebody's trying to drive a wedge between you and them. Don't take the opportunity to be offended and feel like you've got to assert yourself and say you're your own man. No, say, you know what? That's right. Just like John did. I'm just of the earth earthly, but he cometh from heaven. He's above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. And to start it all off in verse 24 of John 3, it says, for John was not yet cast into prison. That was still to come. So John was not necessarily enjoying a favorable environment when he made a decision to have this kind of disposition. But he begins to tell his disciples about joy. In fact, he makes that statement, my joy is fulfilled. We think our joy would be fulfilled if we won a million dollars. Or if we got that perfect job, or better yet, did not ever have to work again. But what John begins to tell his followers is something that is a bit different. So there's three things that I want to give you that I believe will help us to live in the fullness of joy. Because if we can live in the fullness of joy, the splashover will happen. You understand that? Here's the first thing. And there's just three principles. Recognize, this is the first one. Recognize every good gift cometh from God. Every good gift cometh from God. If you're able to live a, a comfortable life, guess what? It's not because of your intelligence. It's not because of your charisma. It's because God has gifted you. He has blessed you. If you're fortunate enough to be married to a person that brings you joy and happiness, I know not 24-7, but you're married to a good person. Not because you were Don Juan, you know, or Don Ho, or whoever that guy was. Who was it? <laughs> I'm starting to show my age now. Glad the young people aren't in here. I'll be hearing about that. But it's not because we're anything special. It's just because the Lord said, you know what? I'm going to bless him. I'm going to give him a good spouse. We ought to appreciate that. Thank you, Lord. You gave me a good spouse. It's wonderful if you'll thank the Lord for your spouse. When you're not having a good day with your spouse, you can also take that to the Lord. Lord, she came from you, so you need to work on her today. <laughs> I'm giving you some good marriage material before you get married. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> Every good gift cometh from God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. God's blessed you and you got a car that runs. It's from the Lord. God's blessed you. You got a house with a roof that leak. It came from the Lord. God's blessed you. You got a job. You're not hungry. You can stop by McDonald's on your way home. Came from the Lord. God's good. But not everything appears to be a gift. 
And that's where you got to filter it down through your joy. Not everything appears to be a gift. Sometimes you have to trust God that he has your best interest at heart. He's got my back, and I know that everything is going to be okay. Here's what Paul said in Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things, everybody say all things. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good. They work together for good. They don't start out looking like it's for the good. But when they all get together, I heard somebody describe it as like the ingredients of a cake. When they all get in there, if you take the vanilla extract or you take this or that, you try to take it all on its own, it could be bitter, it could not be very. But when it gets all in there and works together, it working together for something good. So don't just stop with one ingredient, one circumstance, one, one event in your life. It's all there working together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Joy is just when you rest on the fact that God has a purpose for the problem that you're facing and you're going to just worship God through the process. There's a purpose and though it looks like a problem, I'm going to worship God through the process because joy is love expressed and peace is love at rest. I see there, there's, there's, it's, that one statement right there is worth the price of your offering tonight. And you didn't even have to give an offering. Just that one statement. Joy is love expressed and peace is love at rest. All right, here's point number two. I'm hurrying. We're going to be done. Number two, rejoice for the victories of others. You ever met people like that? You're like so excited you want to show them your new little 65 Mustang. You're so happy about it. Have you, show, have you seen my 65 Mustang? No. Well, come here. Let me show you. You open the door and look at it. I don't have an air conditioner. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Last night I was working on my computer and my wife comes in there just bouncing up and down. So happy. And I said, what, what, what happened? She's like, it's a 64 and a half. It's a 64 and a half. I said, what's a 64? She's like, my car, it's not a 65, it's a 64 and a half. I'm like, what does that mean? She'd taken a picture of the serial number and she'd run all the serial numbers and all the, and the engine and what, da, da, da. And apparently when Ford first started making Mustangs, they made them in 64 from like May till August. And those were called 64s and a half. They didn't release them until 65, but they were the very, very first of the Mustangs. And then after like August 17th or something, the rest of those were considered 65s. They changed the engine. And so the serial number on the, on the used to be, now they're called VIN numbers, but it, it showed in what, and it came from Dearborn plant and the engine, and it showed its number coming off the assembly line. And she's like, look at this. And we ran all the numbers and immediately... We both started jumping up and down because I realized it's worth twice what I paid for. <laughs> I was like, it's a 64 and a half. <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, people, everybody has different things in their life that bring them joy. Why shouldn't we rejoice with other people? We have, um, my wife and I, we have friends. There's, there's nobody here in the church. This is an amazing church. So this is not any kind of reflection on our church. But we have friends that my wife and I get to go somewhere. We'll travel to go somewhere. And we'll tell them about it. We'll be all excited. We'll be showing pictures on our phone, you know. Look, here's the Grand Canyon. And they'll always, this is what they'll say. Maybe you've got friends like this too. They're not really friends. They're kind of just acquaintances. Because of this. Here's what they'll, <laughs> here's what they'll always say. Sure wish we could go to the Grand Canyon. Do y'all, have y'all ever met people that do that? I mean, it just steals all your joy. The death of the smile. You want to just put your mask right back on. And you say, well, it wasn't really all that great anyhow. It was hot. We had to hike all over the place. and We had to wear these things, you know. But why not rejoice with other people? Now, here's what will happen. If you start to do that, even though you may not feel it, if you'll start to just rejoice with other people, you'll find that your joy bucket will fill up. Now, here's what happened. John is saying, you got to learn to be happy for others. If you can learn to rejoice when others are being blessed, then you'll get your joy back. There are always going to be people around that, that seem to be getting blessed. And oftentimes, they're not blessed anymore than you are. It's just they're highlighting the good moments. We're highlighting the bad moments. But if you can only get your joy on good things that are happening to you, then you'll have dry seasons and you'll have flat spots when nothing seems to be working out. Those valleys will control your emotions and they'll steal your joy. But if you can rejoice for others, guess what? Even when you're going through a valley, you can have joy because you've learned how to be happy for other people. And folks, there's always going to be somebody who's in a good season right now even if it's not you. So if you're in a bad season, you can still rejoice because they're in a good season. And you'll say, well, I'm going to rejoice with you because the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. The Bible says to do that. So I'm going to rejoice with you. Why? Because when I rejoice with you, it reminds me about my season's coming. I'm going to be blessed too. Hallelujah. I'm reminded that God's still faithful. God's blessed you. I was your friend. We went through some tough time, but God's blessing you now, and I'm going to rejoice with you. What does that do? That keeps your joy level at a high point all the time, regardless whether you're in a summer, a spring, or a winter season of blessing, you're still going to have the joy of the Lord. All right, number three, reduce your requirements for God and increase your praise for him. Reduce your requirements for God. The Bible says if you lift him up, he will draw all men nigh unto you. So if your joy is missing in action, stop asking God for more stuff. Stop making demands on Christ and start finding ways to praise him. David said in Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't need a good day to praise him. I can praise God right now in the middle of a crisis. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
So when life knocks you down and trials mount up on you, you just find a place to get into the presence of God and you just start to think of the goodness of the Lord. Like that old song says, I love the quote, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. When the enemy comes and tries to steal your joy, you just need to show him your badge. Wait a second, I'm a child of the king. I'm an agent of joy. I heard a funny story about a young and very cocky drug enforcement agency agent who showed up on a Texas ranch to search the grounds for a possible drug infraction. He was very deliberate. He was very proud. He was young. He hadn't been on the force long. He wanted to show his his badge around to everybody around the ranch. He showed it to the ranch owner, showed it to the manager, showed it to all the all the people working with the cows and the horse. He just very proud of it. And the old Texas rancher he knew he didn't have anything to worry about so he just invited the young man to you know look around look make yourself at home and all that and so the agent was going around just showing his badge everybody on him bad and dea bad 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 just showing everybody on the ranch his badge but soon the agent found himself in a very small fenced in field with a very large and angry bull and it didn't take long for that bull to show the young agent who was boss. And so as the agent came by screaming his head off in fear and the bull closing in on him in full gallop, the old rancher just hollered as he leaned over the fence and he said, Your badge! Show him your badge! <laughs> uh, when the enemy of your soul throws everything at you, just show him your badge. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I've been bought with a price. I've got a right to worship. I've got a right to rejoice. He's been too good to me. Psalms 96, 11 says, let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Ladies and gentlemen, we're the fullness thereof on the earth. And he's saying, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So all of creation is aware of the fullness of God's nature. Paul said in Ephesians, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. We receive the fullness of joy when we consider the fullness of God. When you say, Lord, I want to be full of you. You know what? You can't be full of God without being full of joy. It's part of the DNA of God's blessings and God's spirit. So everything about God is completeness. God does not do anything halfway. His creation speaks to the fullness of his nature. The earth is full. It would only make sense that the desire of God is for you and I as the fullness of his creation to be full of joy, full of purpose, and full of Christ. Would you stand to your feet? Oh, thank you, Lord. Woo, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want to lose my joy and have to become a servant to a master that does nothing but take from me, which is really what sin is. I want to stop right now while I'm in the midst of God's blessings and say, Lord, I'm going to resurrect my smile. I'm going to resurrect my spirit. I'm going to come out from behind these emotional masks. And I'm going to say, Lord, you've been too good. I'm not going to let pride keep me. I'm not going to let anger keep me. I'm not going to let fear keep me. I'm going to take off the mask and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm thankful you've been too good to me. Would you lift your hands in your voice right now? Come on.
I'm asking for the fullness of your joy. Hallelujah. The fullness of your joy. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been so good to me, Lord. Lord, we just take a moment right here on a Wednesday night to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. Thankful for every good gift that cometh down from the Father of lights. Oh, yes, Lord. You're a good God. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my smile back. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, glory be to Jesus. Mm, hallelujah. Come on, you feel that joy coming up? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's spend these next few days. Let's practice. Let's just practice bringing back our smile, bringing back our joy, lifting up our heads. Come on. You're the children of God. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You are royalty. What's so wrong about being royal? That's another sermon. I'm going to save that for Meghan Markle and Harry and all them people. I don't want to be royals. I'm going to preach a message called, What's Wrong with Being a Royal? You are a royal priesthood, the Bible says. You are a chosen generation. I'm not giving it up. Come on, I'm not giving it up. I'm not turning it in. I'm not going to trade it. Y'all better go before I start preaching again. God bless you. I love you. Jesus loves you. Thanks for being here tonight. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.